Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the interfaith exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman, Senior Minister for the Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. This year, we will be on a grand adventure of exploring interfaith, and we're so excited that you have joined us. So buckle up and get ready for our 2021 adventure with today's podcast. Good evening. This is Rachel Lyman, CEO of Interfaith Explorers. And I'm excited to say that tonight we're recording our 11th podcast for Interfaith Connection. Now you can listen to our previous 10 podcasts at SLC's website. Just look for Interfaith Connection podcasts or go to the internet uh, uh, to Podbean and uh, Interfaith Connection will have all of our podcasts there as well. So tonight, I'm so excited to have a special guest, uh, a woman uh, interfaith leader and educator of the Sikh faith. Her name is Goldie Shergill. So welcome, Goldie. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I appreciate it. Well, we're happy to have you. And I want to let our listeners know that uh, S-I-K-H is pronounced sick and not seek. So tonight we're going to say sick. You've probably heard seek, but it's really sick. So we want to clarify that. So Goldie, and let me introduce her here. She's a graduate of UC Davis and holds a master's degree in educational administration and policy studies from Sacramento State University. And she taught high school in Elk Grove Unified School District and was one of the founders of the Sacramento Valley Charter School, which was the first charter school in the country with a Punjabi curriculum. She has also been a Sunday school teacher at the Sikh West Sacramento Gurdwara and also an art docent at their elementary school. And she's happily married with three children, two in college already. So that's wonderful. So welcome again, Colby. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for that introduction. Thank you. All right. So we're going to start at the beginning. And uh, I will uh, ask you about your name because I thought Goldie sounds like a nickname. Can you tell me about your name and then go on to tell us where you were born? What was your childhood like and did you grow up in the Sikh faith? Okay, so um, my name Goldie was um, given to me actually when I was born and my mom was a, um, a high school teacher as well and she had a great admiration for women leaders. And at that time, Golda Meir was the Israeli prime minister. And so um, she named me Goldie. And it wasn't until I started uh, official school that we, you know, you have to register with the Indian name. And so my name, uh, my school name, and our official name is Skamal Preet Kaur Parmar. And then obviously, uh, after I got married, changed to Shergill. So, um, so Goldie is my family knows me by Goldie. Most of my relatives know me by Goldie. 
And um, so, and I officially had changed uh, my name to Goldie Shergill. So were you born in this country? Um, no, um, I was born in Chandigarh, Punjab, India, which is in North India. And it's a shared capital city of two states, Punjab and Haryana. And um, I had a wonderful childhood in Punjab and I spent a lot of my um, summers at my uh, maternal family's farm. Um, and I think whenever I reflect back on the best time of my life, that's where I um, uh, usually um, go back to is carefree. My grandmother was a beautiful human being. She's very loving. She taught me everything about growing food. Uh, managing a farm, and I was always ex um, surrounded by extended family, and I dearly missed that when we moved to the States. Oh, so uh, we're going to jump to the States now. Okay. <laughs> well, you oh, I'm sorry. You also asked me if I grew up in the Sikh faith, and yes, um, my yes. family um, is, is a practicing, um, you know, a lot of them are baptized Sikhs, so they wear the turban, and um, and also there are, um, you know, members of my family that haven't like haven't been baptized yet, but they still practice the Sikh faith. So you're in that group that you okay. <laughs> I am. I have not officially, uh, you know, I've been baptized. So were you always a congregant of the West Sacramento Gurdwara? And if not, how did you come to be involved in this particular community? So when, when we moved to America, we actually moved to New Jersey and the Bridgewater Gurdwara was the first Gurdwara that we went to. And it was, it was a very humble home at that time. And a lot of our Gurdwaras started off like that. Um, so when I came, uh, when we moved to California, uh, we went, attended the uh, Stockton Gurdwara, which also had initially started off as a, a home and, um, and it grew into um, one of the, it's actually one of the first Gurdwaras in North America. And so it wasn't until after I attended UC Davis that I would, you know, before exams would come and pray um, and um, give myself, you know, um, like peace of mind that I was gonna do well. And that's when I first started attending the West Sacramento Gurdwara. And after I got married, uh, we settled in El and West Sacramento Gurdwara was still the Gurdwara we went to. And I understand there's a new Gurdwara in um, Elk Grove. Is that true? There, Yes, we actually have several Gurdwaras in Elk Grove. As the community grows, um, you know, it serves a larger community. So there's several now, yes. But uh, for me, West Sacramento is still like my comfort place to go to. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, that's why I attend there. But you can, you don't have to be a congregate of one. You can go to any Gurdwara anytime. You're always welcome. Oh, that's good to know. So uh, as to being a, a Sikh, what are some of the daily and weekly spiritual practices that both men and women do in the Sikh faith? So for me, because I'm not a baptized Sikh, I don't, um, you know, do the morning prayers and evening prayers. Um, but uh, but most Sikhs generally follow like the three founding principles of Nam uh, Japo and Kirtkaro and Vanshako. So Nam Japo is just a constant awareness of God and, and um, reciting uh, God's name. 
And Kirith uh, Karo is to, um, you know, do good deeds, honest living, and Vanshakna is to share with the needy or those who are less fortunate than you. So most six practice that. And also Seva is a huge part of my life. And Seva is um, to uh, serve others selflessly, um, not to like gain any reward for it, but just to, um, you know, give of yourself. Sounds very Christian, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, common with a lot of religions. And uh, yeah, those those very strong tenets are very uh, much the core of the the major religions. So, are there some uh, practices that uh, I, I know you said you're not baptized, but are, are there some practices that you would do uh, as as a woman and men would not do, or vice versa, that men would do and you wouldn't do? You know, in the Sikh faith, um, men and women are equal and they're allowed to do, um, they can interchangeably do uh, whatever men are allowed to do. Um, so there's no restrictions. However, sometimes culturally, um, you know, people might restrict, you know, um, women from doing certain things, but in our religion, you're not supposed to. And uh, are there some times when women are exempted, <clears throat> excuse me, from doing a their uh, spiritual practices? Never, no. Never, um, no. Yeah, we don't, it's not any time of the month or anything like that. You are. You can practice your faith at any time. There are no restrictions. So <clears throat> I've been in the, uh, the that particular gurdwara many times. That's one of my favorites. And um, I noticed the men sit on one side and the women on the other. Is that true in most gurdwaras? Um, generally, it is true, but, um, you know, I grew up where they were building gurdwaras and um, there wasn't enough space and we all sat together as families and it's not necessarily a division, uh, you know, that you have to, you can sit with your family if you wanted to, like um, children will sit generally with their moms. Um, so it's not, it's not a religious thing. It's a more of a cultural thing. Okay. Or maybe a modesty thing too. I don't know. Yeah, it, you know, a lot of our cultural um, practices sometimes still go on despite the religion having equality. So I think it might be the. You're right. I think it has to do with probably with modesty. So in college and and the work uh, place places you've been, have you encountered any specific or particular challenges? Uh, and being a woman sick? Um, you know, when I was younger, I remember my parents um, being upset that I had cut my hair. And, um, you know, I remember like I would sneakily like trim my hair, even though it was super long. So I remember my parents also, you know, um, like they didn't like if I wore like short sleeve shirts or showed a lot of my like you know shoulders or anything like that so I lived very modestly and very in a conservative traditional household um you know you just learn to adapt um I'm sure I didn't get invited to a lot of things because of my traditional conservative views um so I otherwise I didn't have any any other um problems you know my my parents did have rules 
but they were almost unspoken rules. Um, you just, you know, it's probably like being Catholic in the 1950s, you know? <laughs> and you wore a little something on your head when you went to the to mass. Right. And we do, when we go to the Gurdwara, we also cover our head out of respect. Well, I noticed uh, when we've, we visited the uh, Gurdwara and I've also facilitated a, a couple of their community open houses. <clears throat> they always provide head coverings uh, before you enter the temple um, or the Gurdwara, sorry. And um, that's the case anywhere if you forget or for men and women. So, yes. That's and true. remove the shoes. I know that because you're on hallowed ground. So, so you said you were a uh, Sunday school teacher at the West Sacramento Gurdwara. Are you, are you still involved in teaching Sunday school there? Or what um, was that like for you? You know, it was one of the uh, best experiences. I actually started off as a volunteer because I had three children and I, and as a young child, I attended Sunday school and my mom was our teacher at the uh, Stockton Gurdwara. And um, I wanted to make sure my children had a basic understanding of Sikhi. And um, so when when the when the teachers, um, you know, were absent or anything, I would kind of step into that role. And then lo and behold, I became a Sunday school teacher. And 10 years later, I, I was still there. Um, and so it wasn't until COVID um, hit that I, you know, we stopped Sunday school. And we're just sort of transitioning back. But all of my children have graduated from Sunday school. Um, and I, I would probably go back as a volunteer, um, either organizing it or teaching a class. Is there a particular age group that you work with there? Or? I actually had the pleasure of starting from pre-K um, all the way to level eight. And I learned a lot because Punjabi um, in India, um, especially growing up in Chandigarh, we it was not taught in our schools, especially in the private um, English schools. We were taught English and Hindi, and they almost looked down upon uh, Punjabi at that time. And I know they're starting to do the same now. Um, so I actually officially learned Punjabi at the University of Berkeley, like how to read and write. I could speak it, but um, I wasn't, you know, proficient in reading and writing it until um, I went formally into college. So the Sunday school is taught in, in, in Punjabi and English or just Punjabi? Um, because our, a lot of the children are born here, um, we, you know, we try, we start off with English and then the, the idea is to then just mainly speak in Punjabi. And I, because I have a teaching background, I try to emulate like teaching a second language. Um, sometimes a lot of our volunteers are not teachers and kids can get intimidated if all of a sudden they're immersed in a language. So, you know, I try to ease them in, in like within a couple of weeks time, start to give them a like words and vocabulary so they can develop that mm -hmm. skill and make them more comfortable. Um, I remember, you know, my brother, um, you know, was born in India, 
But when he came here, he would try to speak Punjabi and sometimes the adults would laugh and, you know, because he would mispronounce a word or they thought it was funny, which stopped him from speaking the language. He understands it. Um, but I didn't want that to happen to the next generation of children. So I always gave them a comfortable space to speak. And if they asked for, you know, words, we always had a word a vocabulary wall where they learned new words and how to use them in sentences. So we try to incorporate it in that way. But it was, you know, um, initially English and then Punjabi and then more and more Punjabi as the as we went up to eighth grade. Um, so the the books that they use probably are in Punjabi, the books, the Sunday school books. Yeah, they start off with very um, basic element, like you learn the alphabet. And then the stories that there'll be short stories of the gurus um, and the uh -huh. languages, the alphabet is pretty easy to um, understand, but the, the easier way is to be immersed by people who speak it at home. Mm -hmm. So you can learn the language, but it isn't until you like hear certain words because some words can be the same, but used differently. They mean completely different things. So you have to be surrounded by <laughs> As in English, too, you can get definitely. yourself in trouble. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, and so uh, I try to encourage the children to watch Punjabi movies. A lot of our, um, you know, families don't live with their um, grandparents. So I'm like first generation. And um, there are now the new immigrants that are living with their grandparents. But when we first came, our grandparents were back home mm -hmm. um, in India because only the families could come. So we we became really isolated in that way. And we didn't have, um, you know, and then the teachers would also encourage us not to speak any language at home, speak English only, and they would tell our parents that. So I feel like we lost a bit of that. Um, oh, let's yeah. do that. So, but now, you know, I see more uh, people coming, the grandparents live with them, extended family lives with them. So I see that Punjabi is being spoken a lot more than it used to be. Well, that's good. And, and tell me about uh, you helping to start a, the first charter school in the country with a Punjabi curriculum and what age group are we speaking there? So uh, the, um, the idea had been, always been floating around um, with the charter school. And um, my husband was, um, you know, fundamental in getting all of the paperwork done and getting the charter started. Um, and there were also other members of the West Sacramento Gurdwara Committee that were instrumental in um, making sure that it, um, it got off to a good start, fundraising and, and all of that. Um, so it provides, um, you know, social emotional needs, not only to recent immigrant um, Indian students, but also to the surrounding area. Um, of West Sacramento. So kids were getting bussed in from um, just the neighboring uh, cities as well. Those who were interested in making sure that their children had Punjabi as a uh, second language. And they started off in the elementary. So it was um, K through eighth grade. K through eight, yeah. Is that still going strong now? Oh yes, We're, I think, I believe it's still like 11 years now and they've won several awards for academic excellence. Um, so they're doing really well. Wonderful, so I'm gonna switch gears and switch uh, topics. 
you said you when you grew up, your grandma uh, was an avid gardener, and and you learned a lot about gardening from her. So you evidently uh, put in your bio that you were an avid gardener as well, with years of experience in setting up school gardens and helping the next generation get their hands dirty, I like that, and learn about conservation. Can you tell us all about that? So my grandmother was not just an avid gardener. My grandfather passed away in a, a tractor accident. It caught on fire, and unfortunately, he passed away from his injuries. So my grandmother, they had a large farm, and my grandmother, she um, raised 10 children, and uh, ran a huge farm. And at that time, um, men would not buy crops from women. Um, and so then, because my grandfather has such a wonderful reputation, he was a wonderful man. He, was, he always helped everyone. She, they, my mom and she would um, go and um, you know, sell their crops. They would leave, they would, um, you know, the mills that they would stay open and, and allow them to sell it, but women were not allowed to at that time be seen at these kinds of places selling crops without a man around. And so my mom is one of the eldest um, children and she has younger siblings. So the, the boys in the family were much younger. So she would help my uh, grandmother. And um, she just, she was just an amazing woman. I can't even imagine having 10 children running a farm and making sure everyone was successful. Wow. Um, she would take me on her morning walks with her, you know, milking cows and looking at crops. She would go and say, okay, well, what do you think? Do you think these peas are ready? Do you, you know, she grew sugarcane, garbanzo beans, rice. We had a huge orchard in the back. Like she knew all the inner workings. I even saw like she would, if a cow was be, you know, a calf was being born, um, like she knew all of that. And I found it so interesting. She was like my hero. And so I um, learned from her and also my dad, when he came here, even if we lived in an apartment, he would just dig up the dirt, make some rows and plant something there. And we always had tomatoes or, you know, uh, okra, whatever he wanted to grow that reminded him of India, he would grow. And I just, I thought that was wonderful. It was a happy time for me because I think it connected me to my grandmother. So you set up some school gardens and helped yes. the next generation get their hands dirty and learn about conversa conversation. Is there an official program or is there something you did kind of because I, that's who you are? <laughs> I, so I had an opportunity to um, work with AmeriCorps and they asked me what, what was like, what did I want to do? You know, AmeriCorps had just started off and I was a UC Davis undergraduate student thinking about going into teaching. And I thought, okay, well, I can, I love gardening. I can connect to that. So at um, Woodland High School um, and I started, um, we had a plot of land in the corner of this schoolyard. And, you know, we just dug it up and I used, we had like the, the high school students come make rows. It was like a, a great experience for them to learn how to grow things. And also it was like an after school um, club. And, um, you know, they, we just, we learned about cash. We went to Cash Creek, cleaned that up. We learned about, um, you know, growing and um, composting. You um, like 
there's something called like um like what are the beneficial bugs we had a whole lesson on that we talked about pollinators um things that they could incorporate even at home so it wasn't like something that was really difficult to do it was something that could easily incorporate it there in their daily life and we also talked about harvesting because a lot of people just say oh well i'm going to go to home depot and buy some seeds but wait a minute you already have seeds from the previous crop so let's let how do you save those and use them for next year labeling them saving them things like that so those those kids really learned a lot and I wonder if they're really wonderful gardeners today, probably. A lot of people did take to gardening during the pandemic because of food shortages and we're home all the time. And uh, But we, we have a small uh, area in our back that we, my husband's growing sugar peas right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he, I, that's so funny you say that because um, last year's harvest, I harvested all the sugar peas. And then all of a sudden I was walking by and I saw a bunch of them growing because they must have fallen as I was harvesting. So then those uh, plants, because I knew they had naturally gone, you know, grown and were healthy, I transplanted them into my garden and I don't even have to plant the seeds because they're already ready to go. So um, yeah, so I, I love that. I think that's wonderful. Eat seasonal food, eat food, you know, that is local. I think that's so important for your gen, like overall health. It's very true. I mean, we <clears throat> on Winding Way. There's a uh, was it farmers the farmer's wife. Um, what is that, Dave? The uh, farm stand there. So they just closed up for the season, but um, they had local honey there, and my husband's. Uh, loves to he started baking during the pandemic <laughs> and i'm gaining weight but anyway um but honey bread and using that particular honey and then uh, my daughter gave me a lime tree uh, a lime you know just a little shrub like six inches high and now it's almost five feet high and i've picked 20 limes from that already and i had there's plenty more to go so um, I, I just love the. We love to have. You know, we have a small yard, but we make use of it. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Uh, just enjoy the gardening. What what comes up and and. and uh, I I think you also know, and kids love to smell and touch, and we would even have gardens where they had sensory. You know, like they could feel the um, leaves and smell, and I think one of the great just a, a beautiful scent is like citrus, you know? Mm, oh, definitely. Yeah. And we used to clean with um, lemon rinds and all kind. like my, we did not leave a single thing behind. We used everything. So I wanted to show children that too, you know, um, you don't just throw away. We quickly learned to be a throwaway society, but we uh -huh. should be conserving. We should be using every single thing and whatever we don't use goes into the compost bin. Uh, do, do you uh, think that that uh, school gardens program is continuing or do you plan to go back and help out with that some more? Um, so I've started three school gardens and, you know, I passed it on to people who were also enthusiastic. Um, and so they're, it's, they're all in good hands. I have good. been back before. 
Um, the first um, two gardens that I started, we would take a lot of the harvest and we, I partnered with the food bank and take fresh food because we noticed that, or at least I noticed that a lot of the kids were like canned goods. Okay, that's not very healthy. Um, so then we started, gosh, I, we've donated so much food to the food bank. They were so thankful. Otherwise it would have gone to waste. And I've also thought about collecting, you know, a lot of our neighbors have fruit trees and things like that. They just go to waste and collecting all of those things and taking it to the food bank too. So I think everyone deserves to have good, fresh, healthy, seasonal food. Well, I know there was a program called Senior Gleaners and they used to do that too. They would, people would call and say, I have citrus trees in my yard and it's, they're ready, please come get it. And I'm not sure uh, because of the restrictions on COVID, whether that program is still in place, but that was a very similar program. So what about your own garden? Do you have a garden? <laughs> I better ask you. <laughs> I, I do, I do. I was very lucky a couple of, two years ago on Mother's Day, my family built um, a large three by 12 foot raised garden bed for me. And, um, you know, just in general, um, I have like a large variety of fruit trees. Um, so I've got guava, it's called strawberry guava. So they're little tiny ones, orange, lime, lemon, pomegranate, mulberry. We have Adriatic uh, figs. I trained my grapes. Um, oh, and I'm also growing sugar cane, which my dentist was like, wait a minute, I see your teeth are a little bit, um, you know, I, I don't know how she noticed. She's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I was chewing on sugar cane last season. So she asked me like to be careful because it's not the exact kind that we had in India where you would take it and the entire thing would just come right off. This one you actually have to work really hard on. And she said, you have to be careful. You don't want to lose a tooth. So um, I, I'm going to have, I might have to pull that out because it's thriving. It's kind of taking over one side of my garden. Um, but you know, you, I do the seasonal vegetables as well. And I, it, the kids just love it. Like a, such a different smell and taste on the food you grow versus the food you get from the supermarket. Mm -hmm. So, um, whenever we, the grapes are gone, like not, they don't even last the, the day. So things like that, I'm so happy and proud that they love the food that we grow and they can eat. And when they get established as adults, there'll be a, we have three children. So at least one of them will turn out to be a gardener probably. Yeah, yeah the youngest one is actually very interested. Um, she loves, loves to garden and she loves, like she knows the names of things. So uh -huh. that was one of the things when she was younger, we would just do walks in the neighborhood and start naming things. And so I'm really proud Wonderful. that she knows all that. Yeah, the other older two are not that interested, but they were also very much into Punjabi school. So I took whatever I could, the successes I could with all of them. So, um, yeah. And they'll be who they're supposed to be. Yes. Um, so, well, Let's go back to the six. Uh, is there anything that now this podcast is once it's aired and um, I have to apologize because I'm not sure exactly. Usually it's the third um, Thursday of the month, which is happens to be Thanksgiving Day. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to be working on Thanksgiving Day. So it'll, I'll let you know for sure when it's aired, but it'll be sometime during that week. 
hopefully. Um, anyway, uh, people can listen from all over the world, really, if they get on the website or get on uh, Podbean and and are interested in the, the sick faith or uh, listening to a woman um, sick. So is there anything you would like all these listeners to know about six at the West Sacramento Gurdwara and also six in general? Um, you know, I just, I think there are two things I'd like for the audience to know. And I want people to know that, you know, six believe in one God and they recognize the human race as one and equality for all. And six are expected to serve society, upholding justice and helping the oppressed and marginalized. And, you know, you know, like I was talking about Seva, you know, it, we have to, um, six, you'll find six doing acts of selfless Seva um, all the time, whether they're taking the turban off to save someone who's fallen into a canal or a river, um, and you know that just went viral recently um, in Canada. Oh really? Um, oh. That's the only time you're supposed to remove your turban in a situation like that is if you're helping someone. Um, and I also want people to know that Punjab is considered the breadbasket of India, um, and a considerable amount of Sikhs have agricultural roots. And right now, farmers are protesting the farm bills passed by the Indian government, which will leave farmers at the mercy of corporations. Um, people may have seen farmers' protests as the largest in human history. Um, and they're fighting for their way of life, and they are demanding a minimum support price for their produce. And our farmers are the true stewards of the land, and what happens to them will, you know, affect our sustainable future. So I think, you know, we should listen to the stewards of the earth, you know, um, and that's what I've always been taught by my grandmother, um, and that's hopefully what I will pass on. You know, the earth gives you everything you need, and so it's our, we have to take care of it. And um, so as a teacher and an educator and a conservationist, um, I was going to ask you for a message that you'd like to give to people. But if, if you want to add anything to that, you certainly can uh, if they've been listening <laughs> and they have been. Well, if um, they ever happen to be near a Gurdwara or, um, you know, um, and want to come, people, Anybody, anytime is welcome. We have four doors for that reason. Um, and they're open to all faiths. You don't have to be a Sikh. Um, and that was one of the most fundamental things is equality. And anyone can come to our uh, place of worship. And I can, I'd be more than happy to take anyone there if they, if they, would, need, if they would like a tour and um, learn more about Sikhism. So um, I'm just very happy. Thank you so much for taking time to learn about the Sikh faith and, and a little bit about me. Well, we're so uh, uh, grateful for your participation. I know you're a busy, a very busy woman with a, raising your family and all. And we're very uh, pleased that you said some wonderful things about uh conservation and gardening and education that are really important. 
and and it puts a positive contribu- contribution uh, out there. And it also builds peace. What you said about the six, it's so true. I mean, I helped uh, facilitate a 500 <laughs> guest uh, open house at that Gurdwara. And also the next year we had 250 people. So that's 750 people in two years that took time to come out to learn about the six. And what you said about them is so true. They're so generous and opening, open. And one uh, one thing I will leave, leave is that uh, if you're ever in a, a, another country and you're in trouble, uh, find a Gurdwara and they'll take you in. Absolutely correct. And, you know, I'm choking up over that because they're just, uh, you're just the most welcoming and generous uh, people and most peaceful also, most peaceful. So mm-hmm. thank you again, Goldie. So, yeah, we're, we're just so uh, grateful. So um, we especially wanted to honor um, a person from the Sikh faith uh, in November for our podcast. And the reason for that is also not only that uh, Goldie and uh, everyone, all, every, all of her sick family and friends are wonderful, but November was officially designated by the California legislature as Sick American Awareness and Appreciation Month. And there's an Assembly California Resolution number 102. And I put all of this information in our October Interfaith Newsletter, uh, a link to that ACR 102, because I only put in just a little bit of the fact that uh, the six are noted for their generosity and continuous peace-building work. And uh, that's done in California and all over um, to make this, this state and our nation a better place to live in. So for all the six listening, thank you so much for everything you do. We really appreciate it. So um, in December, our podcast will be Dave and I will be our special guests. And what we've decided to do is this is a total unexpected year for us. We didn't know beans about podcasts in January, and we were offered the opportunity to do podcasts once a month on the Interfaith on Interfaith Focus. So we said yes, and here we are. We've had on the 11th one. So we're just very pleased and proud of everything that's out there. So um, I wanna uh, mention that to people too, to make sure you, you do go back and listen to some of these because once the information is there, um, it's there for, for a long time and you can learn a lot I, just by talking to, Goldie and and just as if we're sitting over a cup of uh, coffee or tea or whatever that's appropriate, um, just getting to know one another. So Dave and I will end up with a special year-end podcast. What we're going to do is outline some of the positive, inspirational, and peace-building individuals and organizations that have done a lot this year to bring peace and hope during the second year of the pandemic. So until then, keep building those bridges of peace. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore 
a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our next podcast will be available the last Friday of the month. But we want to hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, and suggestions to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith art. So let us all remember as we go on our different paths that Gandhi said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty.